Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. This episode is an interview with my niece, Jenna. She became a daughter without a mom in January of 2020 when her mom, my sister Amy, passed away after a long battle with cancer. We've talked a lot about how Amy always made decisions for her. As you listen, you'll learn that Jenna wouldn't change anything about their relationship and is learning how to strengthen her own decision-making muscle. It felt like a topic that others may resonate with as well. If you have another topic you'd enjoy hearing on the podcast, please let me know. You can find my email and other details in the show notes. Thanks again for your continued support of the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Please remember to leave a rating and review. And now, enjoy the conversation with Jenna. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I have with me my niece, Jennifer. Um, And unfortunately, Jennifer is a daughter without a mom because she is the daughter of my sister, Amy, who um, passed in January of 2020. So ever since I've started the podcast, she's said several times that she'd like to share her story. And we recently got to spend a decent amount of time together and we talked about it a lot. And I thought, you know, Amy is still too raw for me to talk about. Um, And so we talked about that it might be a little too difficult for Jennifer to really share the whole story of Amy um, right now because it is an open wound and not a scar. My mom is a scar because it was 38 years ago, but Amy is definitely more of an open wound, I think, for both of us. So we did talk a lot about how um, Amy and Jennifer's relationship affected Jennifer's ability to make her own decisions. We kind of have talked about how Amy was the decision maker in Jennifer's life for the 24 years that Amy was a part of Jennifer's life. So we thought, you know, this might be a good thing for us to talk about so that if other people are going through the same things, um, it's been about a year and a half now that um, Amy's not been physically present in our lives, but boy, she's still a part of our lives every day. (laughs) We can certainly say that. and that Jennifer has gone through some pretty major life decisions that she's had to do on her own. So we were just talking about how she's navigating that and learning to do things um, and make her own decisions. So we decided to have this discussion about when mom's the decision maker and then mom's no longer here, um, how that affects your life as a young adult. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. I'm going to turn it over to Jennifer. And now she's not going to give the whole story of Amy, but she is going to give an introduction of herself, and then share parts of her journey with Amy that are important to our discussion today um, because of the length of Amy's treatment plan and the ages that Jennifer was when she was going through it. Um, So she is going to give that as part of her introduction. Um, And then we're going to talk about some of the different ways of the decision-making void and absence in her life. So Thanks for being here, Jenna. Her real name is Jennifer, but we've called her Jenna for years. So you'll you'll hear me go back and forth between that. But I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey with Amy. Yep. Thank you for having me. So my name is Jenna and I am a daughter without a mom. I lost my mom, Amy, back in 2020, um, the year of everything. (laughs) So, um, she decided to make an exit um, on January 20th, 2020. Um, unfortunately, um, it was a long, long battle with cancer. So it was actually 10 years. So I was 15 years old when she was diagnosed. 
um, October 26, 2010, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Um, and so 10 years later, um, so basically I was 15 years old. I was in my high school. Um, I came home from school that day um, and my mom and my dad were together and we weren't running around with chickens with our head cut off, which was very abnormal for us. <laughs> we had a busy schedule. Um, and I remember the moment that she turned to me and told me that she had cancer. Um, but the first thing that she did tell me was that she was gonna be okay. Um, and that remained true through the 10 years um, that she fought. So um, fast forward from there, um, I was, we were actually um, supposed to be moving at the time um, and plans kind of stayed on hold. So I ended up moving the next year. So middle of high school, <laughs> mom's battling cancer. I moved to a new state. I walked into my new high school not knowing one person <laughs> in the entire state. And, um, you know, just kind of went with it, started making friends and going from there. Uh, my mom, my brother and I really developed a deep bond during that time because, um, you know, I was in the middle of high school, my brother was in the middle of middle school, you know, we just had a lot going on, um, on top of her, you know, in a new state battling cancer and the three of us, my dad was there too. He was just working a whole lot. Um, and so we just, you know, really developed this bond, um, just getting really close during this time. And so, um, from there, she continued to battle, um, cancer did not take it easy on her. Um, it kept coming back stronger um, and more every time. It felt like we went to the doctor. Um, a double mastectomy, hysterectomy, oophorectomy, everything, um, you name it. I wanna say 20 plus rounds of chemo, six or so months of radiation, You know, chemo for the rest of her life. Um, I feel like I almost grew up in a hospital um, because from 15 to 25, those are um, you know really essential years. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Um, throughout those years, we, and my brother and I, you know, growing up, we did soccer or baseball or football, or no matter what it was, we were just always running around. We had a bit of a commute to our schools. Um, so mom was always there, just kind of making every decision for us from the moment we woke up, we woke up and you know, we had toast ready to go. We had our outfits ready to go. Our soccer bags were already packed. Um, she just kind of always was a decision maker. Like, you know, I really didn't have to think because I already had toast in front of me. I didn't even know what I was wearing to soccer that day, but it was already there. Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted to get into was that um, just those everyday kind of decisions as I grew up were always made for me. Um, and as special as that was, I'm learning now that I'm going to be 26 soon, that it's definitely hard, um, you know, now that she's gone to make little decisions for myself. Um, yeah, yeah. And one of the things, so Jennifer and I talked about is that um, I also look at Amy's pers perspective as a mom. So I know, you know, when Jennifer's talking about when they lived in Miami, like you guys really did have the fast paced life at that time. Um, and Amy was a full-time school teacher and where you guys lived, like we were saying before we started recording, it wasn't like you guys could quick run home to pick up your soccer uniforms. Like when you guys left the house at 6.30 in the morning, you were packed for the day. So as a mom, Amy had to make sure that everything was ready 
because if you missed one beat, the whole day would have been thrown off because there was no commuting back to the house to pick stuff up because of the way where the house was, where you guys went to school. Amy taught at a different school. You know, your soccer um, practices were somewhere else. And so I understand that from when you were young, that she did that out of necessity for her own peace of mind. Because if she had to rely on you guys to make sure you had all your, your stuff and you didn't, like that would just throw the whole thing off kilter. So I think it was, you know, she was a full-time, she was working full-time as a teacher. Like you said, you guys, you guys always had lots of activities going on um, outside, of, outside of school and outside of the house. So I can see from her point of view that it was like a necessity um, to be prepared for the day that when you guys were leaving. And then I know, you know, as a mom, as you get into that and you do that, then it just becomes your habit. And for those of us moms who like to, you know, make sure that everything's little OCD, I guess I would say, it's really hard to let go of that as you guys transition into older kids who most certainly could have had your own responsibilities. But by that time too, you guys had Amy's diagnosis and treatment and everything else also thrown into the mix. Um, you know, which was more things for her to add to the list of things to do and things to be prepared for. So, yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the hardest things that's been for me now that, you know, a little bit of a background of her making decisions for me is that basically I've kind of programmed it into two different categories. Um, being 25 years old, I have normal everyday life decisions that I make you know we all love good TJ Maxx trip <laughs> at TJ Maxx <laughs> um, what candle what dish towel no matter what it is I would give her a call and be like is this cute <laughs> you know do you like this do I like this um, and so <laughs> just normal every day you know groceries recipes um, you know mom what should I make for dinner or mom my dog you know is limping what should I do just little things that was a really, 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 really hard adjustment for me um, immediately after losing her. Like I remember countless times I would pick up my phone and I'd be like, wow, you know, I can't call my mom. Um, and that was really hard for me. And it honestly just gets harder um, mm -hmm. to this day. So, and my second would be more big life decisions. Um, like I said, I am 25 years old. Um, and so I am being you know, faced with a lot of life decisions and I'm very excited about them, but it is also very intimidating, um, you know, with jobs, with relationships, with, you know, housing, anything, you name it. Um, it's just so, it's hard, you know, to not have your mom there, you know, and hearing her advice. Um, and I, it's just a big adjustment to not have that person that was there for you, you know, at every minute of every day. Um, to make these decisions, um, you know, and just kind of hear what she would have to say um, or her advice or her input. Um, and I was one, I think, like I said, that her, throughout her diagnosis, um, it was during really pivotal years um, mm -hmm. of me growing up. And um, thankfully she did, you know, help with every single decision. Um, I'm learning now that, you know, I didn't really have that typical growing up. I never really like, went against my mom. I never was a rebel. I never, you know, just said no. I, I don't think I've ever said no to her. Um, and so I never really 
kind of stood up on my own. I always kind of, we kind of just like fed off of each other. Um, and I wouldn't change it because I, as crazy as that sounds, I wouldn't change anything about her battle um, over the 10 years because I truly felt like her and I did absolutely everything that we could in the time that we had. Um, and so I wouldn't change anything, um, but it is definitely really hard um, to now at 25 years old, be learning how to stand on my own, you know, and kind of form my own thoughts and decisions um, and ability to make decisions on my own. Um, it can be definitely overwhelming. Um, so that's definitely the reason why I wanted to share. And can I just give two perspectives um, from me? So I'm looking at this as Amy's sister and also as a mom, but as Amy's sister. So our mom died when we were 13 and 16. So I know for a fact, because Amy and I talked about this, that her, her parenting choices were directly affected by losing our mom at that age. So she never wanted you and Chris to experience the things that she did being kids without a mom. Um, and she also never, we've talked about this too, Amy's will to live was just like you said that day when she told you that she had cancer, she said she was going to be okay. Um, for the 10 years that she was in treatments and all those surgeries that you talked about and cyber knives. And I mean, there is so much that she went through. She never stopped being there for you, right? No, for you or Chris, right? Actually, so I have a really, a really um, vivid memory. We were still living in Miami and she had received uh, chemotherapy and it was my freshman day like orientation. Um, and she received a chemo that was so harsh. She used to have to put her hands and feet into ice um, in order to numb the um, blood circulation to her fingers and her toes. So that way they wouldn't fall off. Um, and so I was getting ready for my freshman year kind of orientation, like spirit day. Um, and I was, you know, painting up my face in our green and I was getting all ready. And um, she took her hands out and she walked over to me and braided my hair. Um, and mm -hmm. so that just really like shows you, you know, she did not let cancer stop her. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she had such a will to live. Um, and I'm so thankful that I saw that in her. Um, mm -hmm. And just my other thing was gonna be, so I know Amy was operating from that point of view that she, she was a daughter without a mom herself and she was already pre- her perspective was she was pre trying to preempt anything that she could for you and Chris to not experience what she and I experienced. The other part of that is I want to give kudos to you, Jennifer, because not only was Amy making your, you know, decisions and stuff for you through that time, you were full in on being um, a care provider, caregiver for your mom. Um, so you didn't give yourself the chance to perhaps, you know, grow your own decision-making muscle, or you said, you know, like you didn't really rebel in all those years. You didn't really do a lot of normal things that teenager kids and young adults would have done because you were full in on Amy's journey, which was yeah. your choice. And as part of what I think you're talking about is that you wouldn't change anything because mm -hmm. you guys, like, I, I think about the times that we all spent together at treatments and chemos and like I think sometimes hospitals were like, what is with this family? Like we'd be there for 24 hours for yeah. three weeks, for three weeks in ICU at Penn. She was never alone, but yeah. it was like, we made it into this 
into this, you know, it was just part of how she did treatment was that she did it together and you liked being a big part of that. Um, I I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but. (laughs) No, absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I would be there no matter what, nothing could stop me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wouldn't take anything away, you know, I, I really wouldn't do anything differently. And I'm so thankful that I do feel that way about yeah. her journey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I was getting to um, is that it, during these really pivotal years of my life, I was, um, you know, living out of a hospital with my mom, basically. Um, and so it was hard and I don't blame her. I'm not upset or anything for her, you know, wanting to, she had expressed a couple of times that, you know, she just wanted to know what our lives were going to be like. And I am not a mom, but I could not imagine that feeling of, you know, feeling so out of control and not being able to, you know, or being able to know that you're not going to be there um, for, you know, your kids or your grandkids or any part of their life. Um, And so that is why I pretty much made the decision to not make decisions until she wasn't there. Um, And so I am now 25 and making or developing my um, decision-making abilities, um, but I really wouldn't change it. And although, you know, I'm learning that skill a little bit later on in life, um, I'm really thankful for the, um, you know, advice and kind of outlook that I did gain from my mom and from cancer. I will say that I am thankful for cancer, as crazy as that sounds, um, because I think it really did shape me. Um, and make me who I am today. And I, I really couldn't imagine my life any differently. Like I, a life without cancer just doesn't seem like me, um, or my family or any of it. So, um, although it took like the most important thing ever from me, um, I am thankful for everything that it taught me and the outlook that it did give me on life. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So while your decision-making ability, you know, that you have room to develop that personally, the other things that you, you're, you're such a compassionate, considerate, empathetic person. Um, Jenna is on the executive board for the uh, Special Olympics in Virginia, um, has always had a big heart for um, kids with special needs and the things that you're right, the other parts of your life and how your personality has been affected by your tenure um, journey with Amy through all that definitely outweighs um, the uh, decision-making portion, in my opinion. However, here you are at 25, you're getting new jobs, you're looking for a new apartment. So let's, let's, let's move to that a little bit about these lifelong decisions, which seem a little bit more intimidating on your own when you don't have that person to call this to weigh against. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how you've been going through that through the past year and a half. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, that first half, you know, is kind of your every day. And the second half is this lifelong and lifelong really gets me. Um, just the other day, I was actually, you know, watching babies and they were crying and I didn't know what to do. And I actually wanted to call my mom and it really hit me, you know, like these lifelong, you know, things that are going to, you know, I, I hope and pray that I will be able to have kids one day. Um, and, you know, like the ability to not call her and be like, why is my baby screaming? <laughs> you know, is something really hard for me to grasp. Um, and that really, you know, hit me hard the other day and got me thinking about this whole second part of my decision making. 
um, you know, getting a new job, it was really, really hard for me to think, you know, this whole new chapter of my life is going to begin and my mom doesn't know, um, you know, does she think that this is a smart career move? Does she, you know, think that this is something I'd be good at? You know, I, I don't know. Um, but it's something that I'm learning that, you know, I need to make decisions for myself and it has felt really good to stand my ground, um, you know, and stand up kind of on my own and be like, okay, I'm going to do this because I want to. Um, I, you know, didn't go with other opportunities because I didn't want to. Um, and so, which is very weird <laughs> and, um, for me, but it is just something that I'm learning now. Um, so whether it be, you know, crying babies or a work, um, you know, change in career, whatever it is, um, these bigger life decisions, decisions are definitely hard, um, but I'm learning that it's doable. Um, it's just very uncomfortable for me right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause you've not, you haven't given your own intuition a whole lot of credit in the past 25 yeah. years. You have, you don't yeah. have that, and, that bucket yeah. of evidence to pull from that. Okay. I made that decision and it turned out pretty good. I made right. this decision and it turned out pretty good, but you've had some pretty significant ones lately that yeah. you've done. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I will say I still have, you know, wobbly legs and I'm like, is, you know, I, I do question myself a lot, which is also something I think that comes with decision making. If you haven't made decisions, you know, for yourself, you know, if you've kind of been, you know, riding through cancer and things, you know, decision. I mean, I think a big problem with cancer is that cancer decides, you know, cancer makes decisions for you that you don't get to make. Um, and so that's something you know, growing up in my most pivotal 15 to 25 years old, um, cancer decided everything, you know, I didn't really have any say. Um, and so that's just something that I had to live with. Um, so I am definitely having, you know, baby legs, I'm wobbly standing up right now, making my decisions, but I'm learning from them. Um, and I'm really happy to say that I'm starting to make decisions for myself, um, even though I will say it's scary and it's hard. Um, you're definitely not alone in <laughs> um, learning how to make decisions. If it's, you know, if you're 15, if you're 25, um, it's, it's scary, no matter what, not having your person there, you know, mm -hmm. to help you. Mm -hmm. um, I will say one piece of advice that I have learned um, throughout this past year and a half that I haven't had my mom is that writing down questions that I would have for her. Um, so with this job, you know, writing, you know, is this career move um, ideal for me? Is this what I should be doing? You know, what are the pros and cons? And then writing WWAD, what would Amy do? Um, and feeling connected to her in that way. So I would ask myself a question and then I would write down the answer that I think that she would give me. Um, and I felt really connected to her when I do that mm -hmm. um, because I feel like I'm talking to her and like, going through those pros and cons with her, even though she's not physically here. Um, I'm doing that, you know, in my mind and then going back to those values um, that she taught me, you know, like I have what she instilled in me still in me. Um, and so that just brings it to surface because I know that that can get lost. Um, so I think it's really cool. For, it worked for me. I know things don't work for everybody, but it's worked for me to just write down and go through, you know, it's, it's cool to see those morals and values come out um, of what your mom or your dad or your aunt or whoever taught you um, come out when you start like having a conversation with them in your mm -hmm. head um, and writing it down. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, and one thing that, you know, that happened that came from 
your sessions with the bereavement counselor, right? We, Jenna and I both took advantage of um, bereavement counseling that was offered um, because Amy was in hospice. So um, I think that that, that that was a great piece of advice that you got to you know make the list of pros and cons and then to actually write the question out and what Amy would say. So there's gotta be something scientifically too in that process of documenting and writing and you know because you can't physically talk to Amy anymore, at least you are still talking to her in your head and on paper. And I think sometimes when you see things on paper, it makes it a little bit more concrete and takes mm -hmm. some of that element of the, of the um, uncertainty, you know, yeah. out of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. And like I said, I think one of the most important things that comes out of that for me is seeing that at the end of the day, the values and lessons and morals that you learned from the one that you lost are still there. Um, and that's mm -hmm. how I definitely feel most connected to her. Um, so definitely something that I would recommend as some advice. Yeah, I think that's awesome because that's true. And nobody's ever going to be able to take that away from you. The mm -hmm. things that she instilled in you and the legacy um, for your family that she developed, you know, just this mm -hmm. week, I posted a thing that said, you're still my mother I, and I'm still your daughter and death cannot take that away from me. And that's, that's exactly what you're saying here is that even though Amy is physically gone, she's still... Um, will have an impact on you for the rest of your life. So um, using those values and ethics and things that she instilled for you to help move forward from this. So one thing that I wanted to add onto what you just mentioned about us both reaching out to bereavement, for me, um, reaching out to a bereavement counselor um, was one of the first big decisions that I made. I will be completely honest and say I was never one to talk to people. Um, like I said, cancer made every decision for me. Um, and I didn't really feel like I had any options. Um, and so reaching out to the bereavement counselor and accepting the help was a really big decision for me. Um, and something that I was very scared to do. Um, but I'm very, very gl glad that I did. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so a great, great example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you are going back and forth between you know, accepting that help or, you know, just trying to see, you know, is that something I can do? Is that something I should do? You know, is this okay? It is okay um, to ask for help. And I wish that, you know, I would have known that sooner, um, but I'm hoping that I can help somebody else out there. So mm -hmm. <laughs> make that yeah. decision. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. I always say, I feel like you have nothing to lose with that. Like if you try it, give it two to three sessions. And then if it's not, it's not working, then you don't have to continue. But I don't think you ever know what something's going to do until you try it. So, and then luckily Jenna found out that I also was um, able to receive it. So um, yeah, it was definitely, definitely a blessing. So, well, I want to say, I think we will perhaps have you back. I don't plan on stop doing this podcast for quite a while. So, you know, maybe in a few years, we'll be back and we'll, we'll talk more about um, Amy's journey and, and, um, what, what that was for you, but I really appreciate you doing this. And, you know, like Jennifer is a 25 year old woman. So any young adults out there who are going through the same thing, I think that this will be really helpful for. So yeah, thank, thank you. you for having me. I loved being able to talk about this. Um, and I hope, you know, that I can help somebody else too. So I'm sure you will. Thanks for being here, Jenna. Of course. Thank you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, 
www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.